Jesus once healed a paralyzed man. And Trent Griffith says, there's a sense in which all of us are born paralyzed. If you are disobedient, if you are living in sin, the reason is because you are not living in the amazement of the spiritual miracle God has done to remove your sin to put you in a state of forgiveness, past, present, and future, and now to go out of there, to rise, to walk, to leave that bed, and go walk with Jesus in obedience to the one who has forgiven you. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, Senior Pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. The word gospel comes from a word that simply means good news. So when Christians mention the gospel, that's a shorthand way of saying the good news about Jesus Christ. But what makes the gospel such good news? We can't really understand how good the news is until we understand how badly we need the help. Today's program is designed to do just that. Pastor Trent is in a series on Resonate titled All Things New. He's showing us how bad our condition apart from Jesus really is and how good the news is that there is a solution. So let's review some of what we heard last week and then finish up the message. Here's Pastor Trent. In Luke chapter five, first of all, verse 17. On one of those days, he was teaching, notice not healing, he was teaching, And Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there and had to come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. It says at the end of verse 18, they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. Verse 20, and when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. That was not why they brought him there. I mean, can you imagine all the trouble that these guys had gone to? They had risked their lives climbing up on top of the roof. They could have fallen off and broken their neck and gotten paralyzed. They brought this guy to get his physical problem fixed. And Jesus looks at him and says, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine their response? Uh, Thanks, Jesus, but the guy's got a broken neck. Is that all you're going to do? Is just kind of say your sins are forgiven and send him home paralyzed? This is the story that Luke is introducing to us. The importance of not only our physical brokenness, but our spiritual brokenness. Here's the first point of the message. We need to recognize the paralyzing power of our sin. This guy's greatest problem was not his physical illness. His greatest problem was his spiritual illness. 
Only people who believe firmly in the power of Jesus' forgiveness are willing to stare face to face at the horror and the ugliness and the violence of their sin. I'm going to challenge you to do that this morning. Our biggest problem is not that we commit sins. Our biggest problem is that we like to sin. Our biggest problem is not that we're a lawbreaker. Our biggest problem is that we are actually law haters. It goes deeper than that. I sin because at my core, I am a sinner. You say, well, I know I'm, I'm, I know I'm a sinner, but I just, I don't know specific. Well, let me help you a little bit. Lying, cheating, stealing, covetousness, selfishness, idolatry, a lack of love, jealousy, envy, complaining, anger, worry, fear, profanity, pornography, lust, sex outside of marriage, adultery, gluttony, greed, lack of generosity, unfaithfulness, hypocrisy, laziness, procrastination, irresponsibility, self-righteousness, unbelief, or murder. You say, finally, one I haven't committed. Thank you. Wait a minute. Jesus said, if you've hated your brother in your heart, you've actually murdered him. Has the weight of sin brought you face to face with the reality that sin will paralyze you spiritually? This guy's biggest problem was not his physical paralysis. His biggest problem was his spiritual paralysis. Sin paralyzes you spiritually. It immobilizes you so that you can't move toward God. I have to believe the report of my spiritual condition. And then I have to believe that Jesus can do something about it. So much so that I will get myself to Jesus. No matter what the obstacles, no matter what stands in the way, no matter what the risk, no matter what the expense, I'm going to get to Jesus. That's what these guys did. Here's the second point. We need to understand the forgiving power of Jesus. Look at verse 21. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them and said, Why do you question in your hearts? So what does it mean to be forgiven? Jesus looks at these guys and says, Your sins are are forgiven. He doesn't say your sickness is healed. He says your sins are forgiven. Do you know what Jesus did? Jesus instantly, permanently, and eternally changed the legal status of this guy before God. He completely, instantly, and eternally forgave his sin. Sin makes a barrier between you and God. Jesus in that moment removed the barrier. Jesus put him in an eternal state of forgiveness. He didn't just say, I'm not going to pay attention to the things that you've done that are bad. 
He forgave him of his past, his present, and his future sin. That's what Jesus does when he forgives. He removes everything that would block you from God. In that moment, do you know what Jesus did? Jesus reached into this guy's spiritual bank account and he made a withdrawal of all this guy's sin. And then he made a deposit in this guy's spiritual bank account of all of Jesus's righteousness. That's what happens when we're forgiven. We are completely treated as if we've never sinned and as if we have perfectly obeyed everything God has ever commanded. That's what happened in that moment. Forgiveness removes the penalty of sin. Forgiveness removes the shame of sin. And forgiveness destroys the power of sin. Now, again, it's interesting. They didn't bring this guy there to get his sins forgiven. They brought him there to get his paralysis fixed. But Jesus did something invisible in healing this guy's spiritual problem. That brings us to the question... Why does Jesus do miracles? We see miracles as we're going through this. And if you're a modern Western American, enlightened, secular person that just doesn't believe in miracles, then you're going to have a hard time with Jesus. Okay. Now, Jesus, every time he did a miracle, this is what he was happening. Jesus was reversing the curse that was brought on this world by our sin. When Jesus did a miracle, he was returning the world to its original condition. The world was created without sin, without sickness, without death, without demons, without disease. And every time Jesus did a miracle, do you know what he was doing? He was cracking into this broken world and showing us what the world was originally supposed to be like and the, what the world is going to be like when he brings the new creation. That's what happened every time Jesus did a miracle. And he had a purpose for his miracles beyond the immediate effect of what he fixed. Miracles were signs that Jesus had complete control, absolute authority over not only sickness, but over sin. And so if you're asking Jesus to do a miracle in your life, all those things that are broken in your life, don't be satisfied with just the physical miracle. I was told when I was in seminary that miracles were a departure from the natural realm. It's not a departure from the natural realm. It's a return to the natural realm. We're living in the unnatural realm with all the sin and all the sickness that we have to deal with. And so don't miss what Jesus is trying to do. And don't make too much of the miracle, okay? Listen, everybody that Jesus physically healed eventually got sick and died. Correct? So every physical healing was a temporary change that pointed to an eternal change that Jesus wanted to make in their lives. And so we need something beyond a physical miracle. This guy needed something beyond the physical miracle. Everything that Jesus did was to prompt this question. Who is this? 
And that was the question the Pharisees asked when they saw the physical miracle. Again, look at it there in verse 21. The scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this? That's the question that Luke is trying to answer through the whole book. Who is Jesus? And so we're going to find out who the Pharisees thought Jesus was. Here's who they thought he was. They thought he was a blasphemer. Interestingly, when Jesus forgives this guy's sin, the Pharisees accuse Jesus of committing the unforgivable sin. It's crazy. Because in their minds, they could not conceive of a man placing himself in the position of God. And that's exactly what Jesus did. 100% man, 100% God, completely in control over all sickness and over all sin. And so they asked the question, who can forgive sins but God and God alone? What's the answer to that question? No one. So who is this? This is God who has forgiven this guy's sin. Then in verse 23, Jesus asked this question. Now, this is, this is the question on the test. Okay, here it is. Which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or rise and walk? What's easier, the physical miracle or the spiritual miracle? I kind of wrestled with this because I'm not quite sure I know the answer. Well, here, here, here's the correct answer. Which is easier, to heal someone spiritually or to heal someone physically? Listen, it's easier, notice, to say. It, Jesus is not asking which is, which is harder, which is easier. He's saying, is it easier to say you're physically healed or is it easier to say you're spiritually healed? For instance, all you people that rose, raised your hands earlier in the service, if I just looked at it, just like, all your sins are forgiven. Is that easier to say? Or is it easier to say this? All of your physical ailments are healed. Listen, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because that can't be proven. It's harder to say your sickness is healed because if you're not healed... I'm discredited. Therefore, if I say your sins are forgiven, maybe, maybe not. Well, Jesus looks at them and says this in response. He says in verse uh, 24, he says, but that you may know the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go Home And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home glorifying God. So he does the second miracle. He not only forgives his sins, but he heals his physical paralysis. And in doing so, Jesus is letting those Pharisees know that he has complete control, complete authority to forgive sin. If he can tell a guy, rise and walk, then he has the authority to say, your sins are forgiven. Every physical miracle is pointing to a greater miracle. Spiritually, this guy's sins are forgiven. It's true. Jesus alone has the authority to forgive sin. You know what that means for us? 
No other human being can forgive your sin. All your sin is against God. Now, you may have sinned against another human being, but even in doing that, ultimately you were sinning against God who created that human being. That means that no priest can remove your sin. It means your mama can't forgive your sin. Mamas really are good at trying to forgive their kid's sin. You love your kids, you want their sin to be forgiven, and you don't want them to go to hell, and so you try to forgive their sin. You can't do it. Only God can do that. A better behaved version of you can't forgive your sin. So quit trying to forgive your past sin by your future obedience. Only Jesus can forgive your sin. And so understand the forgiving power of Jesus. And then number three, understand the transforming power of amazement. Notice what happens. It says that he rose, he picked up his bed, and he went home glorifying God. Can you imagine what these Pharisees must have been thinking? These Pharisees used the power of guilt to try to control people to get them to obey God. What do you do when Jesus has just announced that every sin, past, present, and future, has been forgiven because these Pharisees must have been thinking, well, if that guy goes out of here thinking he's forgiven, he's going to go out of here thinking... He can sin. That's a dilemma, isn't it? You know what religion does? Religious rule-keeping, spiritual police, Pharisee types. They think they can motivate you to obey by keeping you from believing you're forgiven. Jesus' message is entirely the obstacle of man-made religious rule-keeping. What keeps us from sinning is not guilt, but grace. What keeps us from sinning is living in the amazement that he would love me enough to die on that cross to forgive my sin. And so what keeps me from lying and cheating and stealing and living a selfish life, what keeps me from committing sexual sin, what keeps me from holding on to my money and spending it all on me is the amazing reality that I have been forgiven. If you are disobedient, if you are living in sin, the reason is because you are not living in the amazement of the spiritual miracle God has done to remove your sin, to put you in a state of forgiveness, past, present, and future, and now to go out of there, to rise, to walk, to leave that bed and go walk with Jesus in obedience to the one who has forgiven you. Are you more troubled by your physical illness or your spiritual illness? I just want to stop here for a second, okay? Hopefully you're with me. I can see you've been with me here. 
Hopefully you've moved past the fact that you have joint pain and acne, okay? I can't do anything about that. But there is something that can happen immediately, right now, if you will come face to face with your sin. If you will believe that only God can fix your problem, if you will believe that you are bent away from God, that you are born in this world walking away from God, and if you will believe you are spiritually paralyzed until or unless Jesus spiritually heals you, right now in this moment, you can have your sin forgiven. As a matter of fact, I just want us to bow your heads, close your eyes. We're not going to sing. We're, we're not going to do anything right now. We're not even done with the sermon. I got one more point, but just stop for a second here, okay? Because some of you are spiritually paralyzed. You've never come alive to God. You've never taken your first step toward Jesus. And in this moment, Jesus wants to announce to you, if you will repent, if you will believe in this moment, you can be changed, you can be healed, you can be renewed. Will you believe what God has said about your sin? Stop excusing, stop minimizing, stop blaming it on somebody else. And, and maybe for the first time in your life say, I'm not just slow, I am paralyzed. Jesus, I need what you offered to this guy. By your grace, forgive my sin. Lord, put in me the amazement that you would love someone like me, that you would give yourself on that cross as a sacrifice for my sin. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Give me the faith to believe that all my sin, past, present, future, is removed. Now, if, you, if you've done that this morning, we're going to close the service in about five minutes. I want to encourage you, do not race out of here. There'll be pastors of the auditorium, you need to come and make a public profession of your faith in Jesus Christ. And we will help you take your next step in living a life of obedience to Him. I want to pray for you right now. Father, for many in this room right now, maybe this is the first time that you have convinced them that they are not just spiritually slow, but God, by your grace, you've poured into them instant, permanent, eternal forgiveness of sin. God, it, it blows our mind to think that you would do that for us. And God, I pray that we would walk in the amazement of that to live every day glorifying you. We pray in Jesus' name. Now, I want you to see the last point here. We're almost done. As a matter of fact, I'll let you stand up and we'll get through the last point together. Here's the last thing. The compelling power of forgiveness. Why don't we all stand together? Some of you are like, no, I got to write that down first. It's all right. You can write it down. Then stand up. The compelling power of forgiveness. Do you notice 
that this guy couldn't get to Jesus by himself. He's paralyzed. The only way this guy could get to Jesus is if he had some friends that loved him enough to exert effort, to pay a price, and even to risk their lives by getting this guy to Jesus. I mean, think about it. They tore a hole in the roof. Now, Jesus forgave them, but the guy that owned the building, that he was probably gonna require them to pay that back, right? Do you have people around you that God has put you in proximity with that are spiritually paralyzed? And they can't get to Jesus until you exert some effort, show some compassion, pay a price, and maybe even risk something to get them to the place where Jesus can forgive. That's our assignment. Who do you love enough to risk the rejection of having that awkward conversation? Listen, I wanna encourage you. When you think about people around you, it's not enough just to invite them. This guy's friends, they could have invited him all day long. He couldn't get there unless they brought him. So when you think about the people that you're thinking of right now that God's bringing to mind, don't just think about inviting them to church. Bring them to church. I'm coming to get you. I'm loading you in the minivan with my four-year-old. And you're going to come to church because you are spiritually paralyzed. And I want to see you rise and walk, glorifying God. There's one more verse here. I didn't read it. i got to read the last verse. Here it is. Here it is. And amazement seized them all, and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Listen, the moment... The day that you lose the amazement of being forgiven is the day you stop bringing friends to Jesus. Are you still amazed? Are you still in awe that God would forgive someone like you? Prove it. Go bring somebody else so that they can experience the extraordinary forgiveness of Jesus. That's our assignment. That's the way we're going to leave out of here today. You are loved. Well, those are some great reminders from the senior pastor of Gospel City Church, Trent Griffith. And I hope you found some practical application in today's message. Well, if you're a member of a church, have you thought about what you can do to invite someone who needs Jesus to join you at church? And if you haven't settled at a church, this is a great time to land the plane. Find a church that honors the Lord and is founded on His Word, the Bible. Make sure it's close enough to you to be practical. Then start getting plugged in. Serve. Invite others to join you. That's important. And if you'd like to visit Gospel City Church for a worship service, you'll find all the information you need right on our website, mygospelcity.org. You can click or tap where you see, I'm new here. 
Again, that's mygospelcity.org. And be sure to follow us on Facebook for more great content by searching for Gospel City Church. Well, every good story has a villain, right? Next week, Pastor Trent will show us who the villains are in the true story of Jesus in Luke chapter 5. Don't miss it. Thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and it's my prayer that the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ would resonate in your heart this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.